0: Welcome to Times of Navigating unusual Change. My name is Mark Agbeko. I'm the convener, the host of this conversation that happens every Sunday morning. Um, morning as in um, 8 a.m. from Ghana and um, every Sunday evening. So I just want to welcome you and I want to say that share this video, invite somebody to connect to this broadcast. This morning as we continue to look at the very things that God has placed his fingers on in the word of God for us to look at, it's important because that is the only thing that is able to give us an inheritance among the saints, the word of God. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 20, the verse 32, it says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to grant that you and I will have an inheritance among the saints so i want to welcome you and i want to say let's settle in now we've been discussing kingdom laws and systems kingdom laws and systems i have taken an extensive moment to do a very good introduction on what kingdom laws look like what kingdom systems look like how uh, they basically operate and then i've gone further to discuss with you the importance of the nature and the characteristics of a kingdom that it is it is it is important for us to understand the nature of the kingdom how the kingdom runs if we're going to be discussing kingdom laws then it's important that we understand how the kingdom runs so we did look at the very nature and the characteristics of the kingdom for a period of time today i want to just take one of the key principles of the kingdom, which has to do with one of the laws and um, one, one of the systems by which the kingdom operates. A law or the system by which the kingdom operates. And so we will be talking this morning about the kingdom of God. It's that of God. So we're talking about the kingship of God and how we ought to relate to that kingship how we ought to walk without kinship we are talking about god is god and he is king god is god and he is king now if you've been raised under democracy if you've been taught and tutored by democracy if you have been developed and shaped your understanding shaped by democracy it becomes very very difficult to appreciate the nature of a kingdom and how the kingdom runs and operates so the first thing i want to say is that you have to think differently and discard the idea of democracy i'm going to come back and look at the system of democracy as against the kingdom much later because in democracy um the manner in which it operates is that you vote in a president and you you, you you elect a president you elect parliamentarians or depending on your jurisdiction senators and all of that and and mayors and all of that and dc's and all of that and this um, puts power rather in the hands of the people but in the kingdom the power is in the hands of the king is controlled by the king and when the king confers such power and grace upon you or upon i we live to represent and reflect the king, not ourselves. We do not live for ourselves. That is a very big essence of the kingdom of God. So let's look at the scripture as we look at God, his king. God is God and his king. God is God and his king. Let's start off with Luke chapter 22, the verse 29, the verses 29 and 30. I'm reading the NIV translation. Luke chapter 22. The verses 29 and 30. And Jesus said, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me. And I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me. So, the verse 30, so that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You see it, it is power translating from a king, from one who has received the kingdom, who rules over the kingdom, and he has extended that power to us and to his his apostles, to his prophets, to to his evangelists, to his pastors, to the teachers, to the believer. All of us have a ministry. Ministry is not only that of the apostle ministry is not only that of um, standing in the pulpit and teaching and preaching, but ministry vocation as it is to serve humanity and serve the very intent of the of God. Then that will constitute ministry. So it says that I confer on you, and what Jesus is saying is that I have arranged and disposed on your affairs, that it becomes yours, it becomes something you own, a process that you own, a system that you own, a law that you own, and you live by that law, you live by that law, so God has placed you and I in this earth, from our homeland, from our country, heaven, to colonize this earth. By accepting the, his, his dominion, the dominion of the king and his kingdom here on the earth. If you do not know why you are in the earth, this is the basic intent for which you are here. You are not here to make money. You are not here to build houses. You are not here to, to, buy, to, to buy things for yourself. You are not here to, to, to just live for yourself. You are here to live for an intent and purpose that is way beyond you. He has called us with the holy calling. He has called us out of his own grace and his own loving kindness. And he has designated us with the call that is in eternity before, before time began. That is in eternity. So this call, this purpose, this existence is to colonize the earth through the accession of the dominion of a king. I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one. On me, I appoint, I give to you. That belongs to you. I bring into your commitment. I bring you into that place where it becomes yours. So the kingdom of God is not a religion. We want to embrace this. It's never a religion. Now, what has happened in relating to God as God and God as king is that what has happened is that we have tend to put before us the self-principle where we want our needs, our concerns addressed without the concern of the king being addressed. Where we prefer our our ways to that of God and him being king. Now I'm going to read a scripture and I'm going to take you on a path and then you see this nature of God as God who is king and God who is a God of covenant. who who through his covenant name reveals himself in several ways to us. And in revealing himself in these ways to us, God actually wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. He wants to be God in every aspect of our lives. He wants to be God in your marriage. He wants to be God in your ministry. He wants to be king in your home, in your finances. He wants to be the one who is in charge. He wants to determine what you do with your life. He wants to direct, he wants to give you a future and a hope and success. It says that I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Not thoughts of evil, but thoughts that are good, that are peaceful, to give you a hope, a future, and an unexpected end. Therefore, when we submit to the king, we are not we are not losing it. Like some would think that when I submit to the law and the systems of the king, i lose my joy i lose my peace no it is rather in that place we have we have the real peace of god god has a very special reason and a very no a very noble reason why he said do not fornicate why he said do not commit adultery why he said do not do not do do not get involved in certain things God has special reasons why He has instituted and put barriers around us so that our lives can be governed and be pristine and bring Him glory in every sphere. So He wants to be king in your home, He wants to be king in your ministry, He wants to be king in your vocation. You are an accountant, you are an engineer, you are a lawyer, you are a banker, you are a politician, you are an economist whatever capacity you find yourself in god wants to be indeed god in that environment so look at the scripture in jeremiah 23 let's read a couple of verses the verses five and six it says behold behold the days are coming says the lord or says the lord the days are coming says the lord that i will raise to David a branch of righteousness A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Very powerful um, um, existence that is described of a king, the emergence of a king coming out of the woods and the lineage of David or sitting and, and pattern sitting on the throne of David and pattern after the way David thinks and David operates, and the passion that David had for the things of God, and to see ultimately the very intent of God displayed in the earth and the glory of God shown forth. Let me read it again Behold, the verse 5 the days are coming, and I want to say the days are here, the days have been with us. Some people do ask. What is it about the move of God? What is the latest move of God in town? I know for some they just want to join the latest move of God in town. What is the newest thing God is doing? But the truth of the matter is that the move of God that we know we've called the apostolic move, that move, that move, essentially it has just been the move, the move of God, the move of God being the kingdom of God from the beginning. If you study from Genesis, you, have, you realize that it is, it is the kingdom from the beginning and it is kingdom forever. God is not doing anything new other than the kingdom. It is the kingdom from eternity. It is the kingdom into eternity forward. And so if you want to embrace a new move of God before the days are coming and the days are here, says the Lord, that I will raise to a branch. I will raise to David a branch. One who will pattern himself after David. One who will operate like David. One who will possess the heart of David. The very essence and the and, and and the configuration by which David operated. He will sit upon the throne of David. He is a branch of righteousness. Look at the way this king is described. He is a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign a king shall bear the rule that word reign means to rule to control, to have dominion to have influence, to have everything under your government and power at your beck and call. a king shall bear the standard he shall be the standard bearer and when he begins to reign as a king, he will prosper. This is how beautiful it is that when a people begins to relate to God as indeed God and His King, there is the issue of prosperity that is normal. He says he shall reign and prosper. He will he will flourish in his kingship. He will he will ex, he will expand in his kingship and execute judgment and righteousness in the. So wherever you see lack of justice and you see lack of righteousness, upholding of the standard, you can clearly think and realize that the king is not present there. The king is not permitted in that environment at all. Now listen, the verse says, it says, in his days, Judah shall be saved. In his days, Judah shall be saved. And Israel will dwell safely. That word safely is bitak. That word bitak actually speaks of a system where like like a city that is dwelling in a valley and it is safe and without fear of any trouble. That Judah, that you and I will be saved. That my home will be saved. My ministry will be saved. My career will be saved. Your life will be saved. When, when you find yourself in the place where you are assailed by all kinds of things, the only solution is to come under the government of the king. Nations of the earth are sealed by all kinds of problems with lawlessness and whatnot. The only solution is return to the king. It is time that we make a comeback to the king it says in his days of rulership and dominion and bearing the standard Judah shall be saved and Israel will will dwell safely now this is the name by which he will be called the lord our righteousness the lord our righteousness so we are seeing a king reigning and ruling powerfully and his jurisdiction covers everywhere and there is nothing that is absolutely lacking. And when the, he begins to flourish and his judgment goes out, his righteousness is in the earth, where, where the people who are his subjects come under salvation, they are delivered, they are saved, they are prospered. When it's said in the New Testament, the word salvation or the word saved, soteria is a word in the, in the Greek for salvation. Sozo is also used uh, sometimes to describe the word um, um, save in salvation in several several ways. But when you look at soteria, the word salvation is analogous. It's it's a sentence. It means to be saved, to be delivered from harm and trouble. It means that uh, to be to be to be cleansed, to be purified. It means that when I'm saved, it means that I am I am delivered from demonic oppression. I am healed of my sickness and diseases. It means that. I am prospered, I am working in prosperity, prosperity of the soul, prosperity on the outer side. Now, it also means to be preserved until the end, to be preserved until the end. So when we come under the kingship of Christ, he is not a president that you elected and voted for, he is not ruling and reigning over a democracy, he is reigning over a system that is the kingdom. And everything is subjected to him. And when we are subjected to him properly, we dwell safely. We dwell safely. We dwell dwell in peace. Everything is in harmony. There is prosperity. There is joy. Life begins to gain meaning and relevance and significance. Life begins to go forward from the point of stagnation. Life begins to dawn upon us. Those who dwell in darkness, sickness, diseases are broken because he is king, and beyond that, his light begins to dawn upon the systems of the earth when things are rearranged. Life is rearranged. Look at the rearrangement of life: a king shall reign and prosper, execute judgment, and righteousness in the earth. It's totally a rearrangement. I think in Isaiah chapter 26. It says that when your judgment is exalted in the air, every, it, said, it said everybody, the wicked, they shall also be, they shall bow. Look, there is a rearrangement of life that happens. It says Judah shall be saved. And people who are desperate, scattered and strewn everywhere, who have been knocked off, suddenly comes to a place of cohesion and salvation and community. They they say that Judah shall be saved and they shall dwell safely. A new rearrangement of life happens now. When God, God has promised us good things, and when we come to God, we prosper in his ways, we are blessed. But unfortunately, many people only know God. There is there is what I describe as the living Lord Jesus Christ, the living Lord Jesus Christ, and many people only know him as Jesus. Who saves them? Who heals them? Who protects them? Who who provides for them? Who 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 meets their needs? And so it has become um, a consumerism kind of relationship. Me, me, me. I, I, I. All centered on me rather than. On the king and the desire and the preferences of the king. Very often we, we gather together, we go to meetings and we have never spent time, the body of Christ, the church, the people of God, we have never spent time to ask the king, king, what is on your mind? What do you want me to do for you? I am, I am at your beck and call. I am at your ebb and flow. I just want to do your bidding, not my preferences some people go to the extent of giving god ultimatums. if you do not do this for me and that for me i will abandon you i want to challenge your faith he is the king he is not your servant he is the lord who is called the god of righteousness he is not your servant he he, he is the determinant of things let me flow through now so when we look at the covenant names of god let me just take about about three of them. When we look at the covenant names of God, God through his covenant names unveils to us the very heart, his very heart of which we ought to relate to and how he desires his business to be conducted in the earth. It is not just for our our blessing and our prosperity and our well-being and feeling good. It is that we will relate to him in a particular manner and through that revelation of his nature, his character, his name we will be able to allow him, God, to reign and rule. Look at this word, Jehovah Seboas. Jehovah Seboas means the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the Lord who is Lord over His army and leads His army. Did you see that? The Lord who is who is Lord, who is King, who reigns and rules over His armies and leads his army david said to goliath he says you come against me in the name of the gods of the philistines but i come against you in the name of the lord of hosts the lord who leads the armies of heaven in the book of first chronicles chapter 12 bible says and they continue to come to david the tribes the leaders the captains upon captains they continue to come unto david unto david's army Began to look like the army of God. Now God is a God who leads his army in the heavens and who leads his army in the earth. You and I become a part of his army when we get enlisted through the protocol of the blood and of the cross, the the the, the, the born-again experience. When we give our lives to him, he declares to us in the book of Jeremiah, I think 15, it says, You are my battle ass. You are my battle ass. It says with you, we become enlisted in his army. And therefore he is Jehovah Sibuah, the Lord who is God over his army and leads his army. He is not God over his army and abandons his army to do what they want to do we are at his instruction. So basically, when we look at the revelation of the covenant name of God, one of the things that we learn is that he wants to be involved in our wars. He wants to lead the wars. He wants to determine the strategy. He wants to showcase how we can win the battles of this life. He wants to reveal to us, how we can take down the enemy territories, the battles in your office, the battles in your business, the battles in your nation as a leader, as a political figure, the battles that you are confronted with in your communities, God have has a solution. We call it heaven's solution to hell's problems, and so you are part of his battle ass, and is determined to use you powerfully to his glory. And there is no way he will use it for his glory that you will also not experience it. Take a look, step back and take a look at Jeremiah chapter 15, the verse 22-23. You will see that he says that you are my battle ass, you are my war club, you are my weapon for battle. With you, I will shatter, I will break, I will do that, I will turn around, I will, I will, I will shatter desistence. God is after, after his kingdom, after his dominion, after his rulership, and he wants to see that happening in the earth. But when we only see him as Jehovah's Savior, who only fights our battles for us, and we do not do not submit to him and allow him to have his way, but that that he is the God who fights our battles, and therefore we can just do anything, you know? we lose the very essence of God who is king. We need God to be Jehovah's Savior in our lives, and we need to bring our battles and submit everything to him. It doesn't matter what you're fighting, you can submit that to Him. You can bring back that to Him and say, God, this battle is yours. And you submit every process and that battle will be won. So God wants to be involved and He wants to be King. Look at this one. Jawenisi, Jawenisi. It means the Lord, the Lord our banner, or the Lord my banner, depending on where you stand. The Lord our banner. It is important that we understand that He is the Lord our banner in that, that revelation. Of community, that we own him as a banner, as a community, not as just an individual, not, not, not that selfish intent, but that he is God, God, God who is my banner, who is your banner, who is your banner, who is his banner, all, all of our community together, he is a banner. And he is the royal sign that gave us identity. So, you see, God is not just a provider. So, some of us have taken the aspect of him being a provider and a healer and all of that. And then he, give me, give me, give me, give me. And we are not ready to look unto him as the living Lord. The living Lord Jesus Christ. But we just take that aspect of him, Jesus, who provides solution for us. And we want to step away from that when we come into understanding this nature of God. And I'm going after something. I'm going after something. Yahweh Nisi he is our royal sign that gives us identity that gives us definition and hope in the battles of life and the eternal battles the epic eternal battles of this existence in the kingdom he gives us identity your identity is not in your money your identity is not in your career Your identity is not in whether you come from America, you come from Canada, you come from United Kingdom, you come from Germany, you come from some part of the world, and you feel that nation is more dignified than other nations, and it's a superpower, and it is high, and has all the resources. That is not your identity. Your identity flows from the king. Your identity flows from his nature, his character, and his banner over us, is love. That is why we can always walk to him, we can always run to him, because, because we are not defined by our family. He says he set the solitary in a family. You didn't choose to be in your family. He chose you and put you in that location in the earth. So, whether you come from the backside of the desert somewhere where you have even fine water to drink, God determines the spaces, He determined the boundaries, and He placed you there. The recognition that He is your banner, He is, he is our banner, transcends borders. It is a borderless statement that one week in Germany, can also uphold that identity. God is my banner. One who is in the backside of a desert somewhere, who is living in a hut somewhere, can also uphold that reality. He is my banner. We all carry a singular identity. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the way Christianity is made to look upon, we make it look so, so, so ugly. That, 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 if, if it is not in affluence, if it is not in, in that kind of, of um, 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 Avatar. Avatar, that image we put out there, and, and and then the brother who is behind the backside of the desert, that's not qualified to be a believer. Listen, he is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. The Lord whose banner of love is over us. Is a royal sign that gives us identity, definition, and gives us hope in the battles of life. So like a real king would do, that is what he does for us. When the war is on, the, the banner is lifted and it is a sign that the king is leading his army. And by that banner, everybody identifies and knows that this powerful king has given his followers, his, his, the, the magic feet behind him, identity. He has given them hope. He has given the definition. You are not. You are not. You are not defined. You are not defined by being Ghanaian You are not defined by being Nigerian. You are not defined by being a Kenyan. You are not defined by being a Cameroonian. You are not defined by being a Liberian. You are defined by the King. You are not defined by your money and the, and opportunities and and all. Have we not seen great men of pomp and pageantry? died what really did they carry from this earth that 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 dead comatose existence of a body that laid could not lift up his finger to pick even a one dollar bill when his, when earlier he had controlled billions of it. Listen to me our identity is not in the things that we acquire. Now I want to touch on the last one of the identity and how we ought to relate to the king. Jehovah Jehovah Rohi. Jehovah Rohi. the Lord, my shepherd, the Lord, my shepherd, my master, my owner. Come on. And this is what we're going to, we're going to zero it on and, and then we end the conversation pretty soon with some scriptures. Now, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a personal relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. You know the psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. I don't want to go into the rest. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is a personal relationship. My shepherd. My shepherd. My shepherd. And so I need to have a personal walk, a personal relationship, and a personal existence with God. If, 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 If the Lord is their shepherd, that is where people begin to hire prayer contractors. That is why people begin to hire pastors. That is why people abandon their discernment to pastors and leaders. That is why people cannot be responsible in the kingdom, in 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 our churches. The system we have built has only left the people to look unto the men, not men pointing, pointing them to Rohi, my shepherd. The Lord is my master. He is my owner. Now, some of us may not like this word very well. Owner, master. In this modern existence of ours, there is something called landlord or landlady. Landlord, when you rent a place, when you rent a property, when, when you, you pay for a property and you move in, you know that there is somebody that owns the property. And that property has somebody called the lord, the owner, the landlord. And, and in principle, when you come under the landlord, you come under his jurisdiction, you come under his power, you come under his influence, you come under his ways. My god, you come under his ways. And so, and so the, the, the modern day existence of landlord has, has shifted. When the British sent uh, out um, governors to the nations of the earth, what those governors became were to become landlords of those jurisdictions that were conquered and governed for the British. And so life is not determined by the governor. What time you see? what time you should be out there what time you go you are regulated absolutely regulated the lord is my shepherd the question i want to ask you do you have a personal relationship with him or you abandon it to some man of god some woman of god some system some church system that continue to siphon life life out of you i know of a jurisdiction where they say you do not need to allow the people to fast a lot because when they fast a lot when the church members fast a lot they will develop spiritual capacity they will grow spiritually and they will start putting pressure on the leaders and so, do not allow them. The the, the, the maximum they will allow them to fast in a year may maybe fourteen days. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes three three days in 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 a year. This is absolutely not good. It is not pointing the men and the women to the master, the owner. Now, when we zero in on that, then it means this. This is what it means to us. If if the Lord is my owner, my shepherd then a people who have removed the shepherd from its place um, will be described as kingless is headless. If we have beheaded a king from our lives, then we are headless. Therefore, kingless is headless. Now, in Jude 1, the verse 4, it says that some men have crept in. Some, it says for certain men have crept in stealthily gaining entrance by the side by a side door and immorality sorry and immorality and disown and deny our soul master and Lord Jesus Christ he said this man crept in when they crept in they disown and they deny our um, uh, Master who is the soul master Look at the way it describes it The Amplified Translation It says the soul master and Lord Jesus Christ The Messiah, the Anointed One The Living Lord Jesus Christ That reality must be complete in your life Not aspects of it So um, um, when we look at the concept of master owner In Psalm 24 The very is the Lord And all its fullness The world and all those who dwell therein Is the Lord the earth the earth is the Lord and all who dwell in it? They do this, we lost connection. We lost connection. Good, good, good. It says, The earth is the Lord and all those who dwell in it. It says, The fullness thereof. So we can, we can say, we can, we can say that, we can say that. The, the the Lord is the maker and He's the upholder of all things. The Lord is the maker and the upholder of all things. He has the right to all that there is in the world. He has a right to your life. He has the right to your marriage. He has your, He has the right. So it is not about 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 your great grandfather's idea concerning marriage. The idea is His idea and not yours. Business is His idea and not yours. Transforming the earth is His ideas and not yours. So the, our best and good intentions cannot deliver the ultimate eternal purposes of God. We are subservient to Him, and we go we go back to Him to learn His ways. We're going to we're going to wrap up just shortly. He owns everything. We can say that He owns everything, including you and I, and everything we possess. He owns everything, including you and I, and everything we possess. 1 Corinthians 1, 4, 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 4, the verse 7, and I he says For who makes you different from anyone else? He makes you different from anyone else. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you, you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Why do you boast as though you did not? My, look, Listen, let me say something. When you have the king as your master, owner, Then he becomes responsible for you. Let me repeat that. He becomes responsible for you. He's responsible for your health. He's responsible for your your well-being. He's responsible for your peace. He's responsible for your finances. He's responsible for your joy. He's responsible for your safety. When you. Now when Jesus Christ was about to be arrested that was something powerful he said he said don't you know when peter put out his sword and cut off the ear ears of of the, the, the soldier or something jesus says no put your sword back you don't do that he says don't you know that even now i can pray to my father he knows that him christ he is a man who is dependent on another Master, owner, relationship means that we are dependent on another and he is responsible. And everything we have, we do not own it, but was given to us for administration and for execution of his judgment, his intent, his purpose, his standard in the earth. So you can have the money and you think it's yours. It is meant for the advancement of the kingdom, not yours for just your comfort. You will enjoy and have your comfort, but remember that there is an intent that is bigger than your comfort. This issue of comfort, my comfort, my comfort has destroyed everything. We place we place the cat before the horse instead of submitting to the king. Let me let me let me push through this. So my finances belongs to him. He has the right to my life, to do anything with me at any given point in time and without asking anybody's permission. He does not need it. He is God all by himself and he is my master. Now, he becomes responsible in every way for you, your home, your children, your businesses. Why are you afraid to submit to the master? We are afraid because he he usually would take away from us those, those, those desires and the satisfaction of the flesh. Those things of the flesh that we enjoy. We know that he would take that from us. And give us and give us something better. And because we love the flesh so much, we find it difficult to submit I challenge you, therefore, submit to him. It is a place of joy. Submit to him. Your finances can be saved. Submit to him. He has solutions, solutions out of this world. Submit to him. He abhors everything. It says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you have you you, you that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast? Why do you boast? Why do you boast? Why do you boast? People can hear just me, I, me, me. Why do you boast? Even the life, master owner means the life that, the breath that is in your nostrils. He can snuff it out at any given time. So you see kings of our villages and our cities and and and, and presidents of nations and, and and leaders of businesses carrying themselves as though the own they own the earth. My God, why do you make a boast? Who can make a boast against the Lord? Psalm 2. It says that why do the nations rage? Why do why do the nations boast? Why do the kings of the earth Take counsel together against the Lord and His anointed. When you reach further, it says that he is the Son, lest he becomes angry and he smite the earth with a curse. My God. Listen, master owner relationship. Look at where it flows from. Isaiah 45, the verse 5 to 7. I am the Lord and there is no other. My, 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 my. I am the Lord and there is no other. Remember, he is the maker and upholder of all things. He is the, it's not, it's not, it's not gravity. Gravity is a law that is there. But there is somebody behind gravity, science. Mr. Scientist, there is somebody behind gravity. Gravity is not just a law that is holding things, there is somebody that makes gravity what it is. He is the maker and upholder of all things. He has the right to all things in this world, including your life and my life. Sorina, that, that is wonderful. God has the right to my life, and therefore I submit it to Him. I submit it to Him. He owns everything, 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 including the money in your bank account. He owns everything. He owns your wife. He owns your husband, your son. He said, He's my son. He says that children are the heritage of the Lord. <laughs> So when your child begins to misbehave, take it back to the owner. God directs, direct prayers to the owner. Unfortunately, we do the wrong things by going to the wrong places to ask for solution. We take the problem situation back to another situation created by the owner. When we are supposed to direct it to the owner, man of God. When people come to you, the hope and the expectation of delivery does not lie with you. It's in the Lord. He is the maker and upholder. He owns everything. Verse 5, he says of Isaiah 45, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God beside me. There is no God beside me. When you begin to submit to this dimension of life, He is responsible for you. <laughs> Let me quote a scripture. It says He will not allow His servant to see corruption. Let me quote it another way. He will not allow your body to suffer decay. Hey, that is the master. That is the owner. That is the one in charge of your life. He gives you bread each day my God. it says, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God beside me. I will give you, though you have not known me. Can you see this dimension? It was speaking about Cyrus, a king who did not know God, but way before he was born and became king, he was prophesied about. And God says that even though you that man, that woman, you do not know me, you do not serve me, I will still guide you. That is how powerful the sovereignty of God is when we submit to Him and we become into relationship with Him. It becomes something else. This man who does not know Him, who does not relate to Him, is even guided. How much more me, who now relates to Him and draws closer to Him? My, I will be guided, guided. If there is anything like that, listen. It says that. I'm doing this, The verse says, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting, its settling, that there is none beside me, that they may know. It says, I'm doing this on purpose. Do we want the nations of the earth to know that there is no God beside the God of the heavens and the earth? That there is no power, there is no dominion, there is no throne beside the God of the heavens and the earth? That there is no president elected by human beings comparable to God. That there is no rich man, rich woman, beeloner, zeloner, if there is any that can be compared to this, God is rich. He is dusty and filthy rich. He is beyond the word rich he is out of this world. There is no wealth and existence and riches of the earth that can be compared to him. He says in Psalm 51, he says a cattle, the cattle on 10,000 hills, they are mine. The cattle, the cattle on 10,000 hills, they are mine. Including the rich man, the billionaire, who has all the money and continue to boast. He says that that billionaire, including his finances, they are mine. My God. Master, owner, relationship must return. When we want to get into the laws and the system, this one of the laws. He is master, owner. I'm finishing it up. Listen. It says that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none beside me. I am the Lord. If it says I am, it means that before him, beside him, nothing comes. And there is no other. Repeated it twice. It's as though the people were not hearing. So he has to re-echo it. Verse 7. Verse 7. Look at this. It says, I form light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. He does not need your permission to do whatever he wants to do. He does whatever he wants to do at any time as he wants. Come on. As I'm teaching this, the Lord, Master, Owner is going out there. And he's touching people's bodies and he's touching somebody's throat and touching touching your breast system, touching your bron, is it bronch bronch bronchus or something? He's touching that system, he's reaching out to your lungs, your your lungs. The master owner is touching your body because he needs that body to operate in this earth. That is the relationship. I wish there was time. He needs that body. It says that, it says that a body have thou prepared for me. It says concerning the volume of the book you have written about me, a body have you prepared for me. He needs that body to operate in this realm. That is why you must submit to him. And if he needs that body, then he must heal that body. If he needs you to prosper and fill your bank account because he must prosper his work, then you submit it to him and, and continue to be diligent at your work and business and he will prosper your business. Master, owner. Then, come on, you can shout this and say whatever. wherever. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my master. He's my owner. My life is not in my hands. Therefore, you cannot take it. My life, your life is not in your hands. Therefore, the devil cannot take it. Not even a man can take it. If your time is not up, they will shoot a bullet even physically and it will run through your headgear. It will run through your hair. It will run by your ear. It will pass through your body and go. And you will be stitched up because the revelation of him. It doesn't mean we should be careless anyway. But when danger comes, master, owner, Jesus says, don't you know that even now I can ask my master and owner, the one to whom I receive definition and identity, and he can send me a legion of angels, 10,000 upon 10,000 of angels. Don't you know, I can ask him now, that is a level of protection we carry. In the realm of God under the master owner, he says the angels of the Lord encamp around the righteous. Who master owner? He is my master, Jehovah rohi He is my master. So when we look at the covenant names of God, let's begin to live in the reality of how we should relate to him, not him just blessing us, because the nature of the blessing. Is that we come into submission, and as His master owner, everything flows. Listen, it says, "I form the lights, I create darkness, I make peace, and I create calamity." I, the Lord, do all these things. A couple more, a couple more, a couple more. Daniel chapter two, the verse twenty-one through twenty-two. He says, "And He changes the times. He He changes the times. Master owner." And He changes the times. And the season, He changes it. It's not a rainy season because the weather has changed. There is somebody behind it that governs it. He changes the times. It's not because the sun went down, because the sun loves to go down. He changes the times and seasons. You may be down today, but the changing times and seasons are coming. It says that joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night. Come on, hold on. Because he changes the times and seasons. So long as I have him as master owner, he changes the times and seasons. You've been rejected, bluffed, insulted, spat upon, kicked, knocked down. Master owner is the one to whom you submit. Your business is collapsed in this season of COVID. Master owner. He removed kings, the Bible says. He removed kings and he raised up kings. So do not make a boast. He removed kings and raised up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. What I am teaching, I do not own it. It is that of the master owner. If he didn't give this wisdom, I couldn't have discerned it to teach it. The verse 22, he said he revealed deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwell with him. And light dwell with him. Ha. Ah. Many 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 top ranking business executives are chasing after psychics. Today in, in America and in the west and certain places of the earth business owners have psychics working with them. To teach them the strategies that are that must take the next venture. To teach them how they can outwit the next competitor. Listen to me. It is he who reveals deep and he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. The light dwells with him. It doesn't dwell with the psychic, it doesn't dwell with the prophet. It dwells with him, Master Owner. So we can say that our time is in his hands, our days are in his hands, our health is in his hands, our finances is in his hands, our children is in his hands, our ministries, vocation, calling is in his hands. I want to challenge you this morning wherever you are, you can just pray briefly. You want to just pray about two, three minutes. Just begin to submit to the master owner. Just submit to him. Just submit. All you need to do, just submit. Tell him, I submit this aspect of my life to you. Maybe you are struggling with certain habits. Masturbation. You are struggling with certain habits. Fornication. You're struggling with certain habits. Stealing. Struggling with certain habits. All those negative things. Just submit. Submit that aspect to him. I submit every aspect of my life. Your moral life. I submit my life. I submit my moral life. I submit my spiritual capacity to you. My knowledge, your education, you are struggling with your books. Unable to pass this exam. I submit these papers, Father, that I'm studying to you. I submit them. I submit these ACCA studies to you. Any area of struggle, Father, I submit, submit it to him. Mantoli Gabraste. submit it to him. Let God meet us here. We come to you, Father. We advocate our own right to be We. I abdicate my right to be me. A people who are truly free are the ones who have abdicated your right to take upon the master owner. Father, I abdicate my right to be me. I submit to you, master owner. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way in my marriage. Submit your wife. Submit your husband. Lord, have your way in the life of this woman that I'm married to. This man, this child, this child has developed into something else, other than other than walking in your standard. I submit him to you. Come on, praise. Linko Basi. Ruzi bidibishota daba. Submit, submit, submit. Kapoto zibidikapo. Lige siki prahakapatos. Lobo bobo bobo shege de gebahakatus. Obro zigi bahakuto ligesikapa. Thank you, Lord. We come to you, Master Owner. We submit our fears to you. Lord, I commit to you, everybody connected to this call right now, we submit, submit every fear, every fear. Master Owner. If you miss a session from the beginning, when we end this, you just listen to this. It's full of life. It's full of wisdom. It's rich because the Master Owner himself, beyond my voice, beyond my understanding, Draw near, Father, as we draw near. Put your hands upon our ministries. We abdicate it to you. It is not our ministry, it is yours. It is not our marriage, but it is yours. We hold this theme with great regard as been to you. Mata tata brada tekeba. Thank you, Father, Master, Order, be near today, Friends, God bless you. Brief announcement. We are back Thursday evening to look at the Word of God. Kingdom Learning Space, weekly online Bible study. You want to be part of that? So look on, on all our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You will find a Zoom link. By the close of today you find a zoom link which will show you the dates i mean coming thursday coming thursday is um let's see coming thursday coming thursday july let's see the month of july i can't find my calendar but coming thursday will, will we, we have in our Bible study and so you want to you want to be part of you want to be part of that. You don't want to miss it. And so register to be part of it. Register to be part of it. Register to be part of it next Thursday. And hopefully this evening, as the Lord gives us grace, we'll be back online to pray. We want to pray this master owner dimension of our nations, our homes and families. Let me pray with you. The Lord bless you, the Lord give you wisdom. The Lord grant unto the spirit of wisdom and revelational knowledge. The spirit of the Lord rests upon you. The Lord God Almighty be God over you. If God be God, then let his glory be revealed this day in your life. Thank you for being on the broadcast. See you and it's bye-bye for now. Thank you. Bless God. Bless God. Mark here, and welcome to Times of Navigating, Unusual Change. Mark here, and we bless God for this day. It's morning here. It's a cloudy weather uh, with some showers early part of this morning. We want to get into the Word of God, and we're already behind shadow. Some technical difficulties here, but we have overcome that to be with you this day. Now I'm going to go back into the word of God and begin to share on kingdom laws and systems, kingdom laws and systems. Last week was just superb. Last week was just so wonderful in dealing with the very thing of God who is master, owner. When it comes to the laws of the kingdom, that is something that cannot be ignored. Men have ignored that. Leaders of nations have ignored that. Families have ignored that. Business people have ignored it. And it has been catastrophic for everything that they do. But we who have come into an understanding of the ways of the Lord want to live by his dictates, live by his standards. We want to to honor him in everything that we do so this morning um i want to just go back and i want to say that share this video invite somebody to connect to the broadcast and i'm going back to look at one key principle which i have entitled the sabbath principle now we're not coming to get into all those theological arguments whether there is sabbath or not number two we're not getting into all those theological arguments of whether the sabbath is a monday or a sunday or a saturday or a friday or something we are here to look at the principles that are found within um, the sabbath as god established them so that we can learn the ways of the lord we can learn the patterns as god created all things and how he has designed for things to run it's important is because men have decided to cast the law of god the bond of god over them away it has resulted into many things the bible even speaks in the book of romans chapter one that men have decided to break the law of god and turn a natural use to be an inordinate use as a result all kinds of situations we have among us health wise and all of that So we want to get into kingdom laws and systems that actually defines for us how human life ought to be governed, how human life ought to go forward in this existence. By doing so, we begin to bring redemptive impact onto different aspects of society. If we are able to live by these laws, apply them, we begin to unleash heaven's ultimate power upon the systems around us upon environment upon humanity so that that environment that sphere of life will begin to be cultured and colonized um um, for the kingdom colonized for the kingdom so let's look at the law of the, the the sabbath principle the divine law of rest sabbath principle the divine law of rest now kingdom laws and systems Um, when one aspect unveils the divine government of God, it unveils the divine government of God, how God wants humanity under him to be constituted, how God wants humanity to live for him, what God desires of humanity. That is what kingdom laws and systems does for us. And, and, And ultimately, would allow the systems of the earth and whatever we build and how we live to conform to the systems of the heavens, the kingdom of God that is extruding out of the heavens and governing every aspect of humanity. Jesus Christ was asked by his disciples to teach them how to pray, just like John teaches his disciples to pray. And Jesus said, uh, when you pray, you shall, you shall say, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Now, I mean, that pattern, that pattern of prayer is so invigorating, is so powerful, is so unraveling. It says, Our Father who are in heaven, our Father who dwells in heaven, who dwells in a lofty place, who has standards above um, the standards of the earth, and let your kingdom come. Let your will be done as it is in heaven. That your kingdom, the pattern, the design, the principles, the ways with the same intensity, the same grace, the same power, the same ability, the same backing, resources, let it be made evident here on the earth. And it is only your desire that ought to be done. So when kingdom laws um, and systems are implemented, what happens is that people begin to live under the government of God. That government that has been best in their hearts now extrudes from their living, their ways and the things that they do. And so God gave laws to the children of Israel. And one of the very intent that for which he gave those laws to the children of Israel, that they will live under his government. Now, Three three things I want to underscore when you look through the life of the children of Israel, why God gave them laws, and 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 what was that intent, what was the purpose behind the giving of the law? You would notice that number one, it is that it governs their relationship with Him, God, how Him God will relate to man and how man ought to relate to Him. And secondly, the laws were given to be able to govern man and his neighbor, how they can relate to their neighbor, their people. So you go through the book of Leviticus, for example, the Lord God Almighty gave laws and gave specific instructions as to how they can work with their neighbors and what they can do to their neighbors and should not do. This is really powerful. And then thirdly, the laws were given that it will govern man's activity with the environment and his surrounding how their environment and everything ought to be governed around them now when we begin to break these standards our relationship with god which is the very basic thing from which everything extrudes from which every law will be best because the kingdom of god is built in our hearts and is delivered among us as we live and manifest and do the very things that God wants us to do so when man begins to break the standards and the laws of God what we find is that his relationship with God is already gone and his relationship with his neighbor with his wife husband children and, um, and his employees his boss all of those things get broken. It is the reason why we have a broken society. It is the reason why we have a broken people. It is the reason why we have broken marriages because we have not fixed our relationship with God right. And we try to we try to bring out creativity out of the realm of this fallen nature other than from our Father who are uh, in heaven, who art in heaven, who dwells in a lofty place Upholds the loftiest standards, and he is the standard, and he is eternity. So it is, it is, it is for us this morning. Let me just say this: it is for us this time that we have to retrace our steps and ask ourselves. We have to pause, like the Lord said to the children of Israel, says, "Stand in the way, ask, ask of the ancient path." We have to begin to ask for the ancient path, you know, retrace our steps, and come back into discovery of our relationship with God again. It is important that we begin to rediscover God anew. The Father has his arms open wide and he wants you and I running back to him. He says that when you draw near, he will draw near to you. He says that when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's not just forgiving you, but the very element that continue to cause you to stagnate and and lose and lose your focus and lose your ability to continue working with the lord he says i will break all of that I will break all of that and bring you into the place of safety and bring you into the place of glory and bring you into the place where it's as though it has not happened again. It says that as far as the the sky is, is the heavens are away from the earth, it says so God will remove your sins and make it so distant. So it's important that um, our relationship with God will be retraced, will be rediscovered and that we can walk with him again. When we discover that, it changes the way we live. It changes the way we relate to neighbors. It changes the way we relate to husband and wife. It changes the way we relate to our bosses. It changes the way we relate to our our employees because the laws of God begins to govern our hearts because the kingdom is delivered into our hearts as we continue to live in relationship with god and it grows in greater intensity and it enlarges nobody touches the kingdom of god and and remains the same immediately you touch the kingdom of god relationships begin to expand principles begin to begin begin to become more vivid more conspicuous understanding is elevated and life begins to gain a new acceleration and power. Nobody touches the kingdom of God and remains the same. So we want to touch the kingdom of God through relationship. Now, God gave those laws to govern these three things, relationship with him, how one can relate to his neighbor, his environment, and govern everything around him. Now, in leviticus chapter 25 i'm going into the sabbath principle the divine law of rest the divine law of rest in leviticus chapter 25 the verse 38 it says i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt to give you the land of canaan and to be your god i am the lord your god who brought you out of egypt to give you the land of canaan and to be your god so god is not giving us breakthroughs simply because he wants us to break through and we should be happy with ourselves but god wants to be god over everything god wants to be master owner over everything now in in the in the bible when we look at the sabbath there are are a number of principles here we know of the sabbath of years where the lord the, the lord speaks of um, um, a number of years after the sixth year, then the seventh year shall be rest, and then um, and the eighth year you continue your activity. We know also of the Sabbath law, or the weekly Sabbath law, which uh, some people are practiced, uh, content to practice today, and and I, I don't really know if they practice it to to, to its um, ultimate intent as. It used to be in back back those days or in the ancient times look what happened in those days was that even the footsteps were counted I mean that is how serious 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 I mean people were almost immobilized and they do absolutely nothing but when Jesus Christ came he began to redefine what the Sabbath law the intent of the Sabbath law was to, to, to speak to it was to deliver a certain dimension of God that is rest, which we want to look at. So I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures real quick, looking at the Sabbath law, the uh, sorry, the Sabbath, the, the Sabbath of years, the Sabbath of years in Leviticus chapter 25, the one the verse one through seven, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then when you come into the land which I give you then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Now, you can see a very clear principle in this reading from the t- chapter 25, the verse 38. It says that, that that I can be your God, that I will be your God, that I will be Lord over you. And it says that when you come into the land, you are not the land owners. I'm the landowner, and that land must maintain a Sabbath unto me, a rest unto me. The land must be relieved of activities and all. So we can see a clear principle of divine rest as applying to um, and the government and the submission of things to God. We're seeing that. Now in the, in the verse 3, it says that six years you shall sow your field and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the Lord, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. The verse five it says, "What grows of its own? What grows of its own? Of your harvest shall not you shall not reap, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine, for it is the year." Of of rest for the land. Now, what you see here, you see God saying that six years you shall work, in the seventh year you shall do nothing. And naturally, um, the harvest field that is left will begin to grow um, and some of the things again. It says that when that happens, you do not you do not harvest it because the land is come into a place of rest. Now, God have got a very serious intent for saying these things. And one of them is that his rulership and his government will exist over the work of man. His rulership and government will exist over the business of man. His rulership and government will exist in every aspect of man, where whatever you are and will ever be and own and have an accomplishments that you would have worked in all belongs to him when we arrive before him. The verse says that in the Sabbath, And the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you, for you and uh, your male and your female servants, your hired men, and the stranger who dwells with you. So you see the intent? God um, brings us into divine rest so that we can enter into the provision of God. He brings us into divine rest so that we can enter into the provision of God. Now there's a principle. There's a principle in there. So the principle you see it cuts across the weekly that um, there is six days of work and, and that was then. I'm not speaking to the theological argument of Sabbath. Then there was six days of work and one day of rest, and we seems to we seems to have patterned our lives after that in many places. But we do not really observe what the Sabbath entails, and what we see here is god saying that you shall enter into the place of rest and provision you shall enter into the place of rest and provision this says, for your livestock and the beast the vessel for your livestock and the beasts that are in the in your land all its produce shall be food for them you can see that when when we step into the sabbath principle the kingdom law of Sabbath, the Sabbath principle the divine law of rest it is that we will begin to release provision. It is that we we'll begin to release resources. It is that we'll begin to put blessing upon many lives. Your male servant, your female servant, your higher servant, the stranger. So the fields were going to just be there and a stranger could just walk in knowing it's a Sabbath and pick of food from the field, pick grapes and pick uh, plums and pick um, oranges and pick corn and 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 enjoy of it and animals of the field can also eat of it because it is the design of god to bring provision now we have we live in a society where it is work 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 and this society this society that is work 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 continue to drain us in a manner because we do not work from a position of rest divine 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 rest we work from the position of Personal accomplishment, my strength. You see that the children of Israel comes to a point where their strength and their capacity and everything ceases to be, where God places an embargo on everything that you can do. And so, it is not about what you can do. It's not about how much you can do. It's not about striving. It is not about work, work, work. It's about working from the place of divine rest. It's about working from the place of the strength of the Lord. It's about working from the position of the divine ability of God infused into what you do. It is about living out of the grace of God rather than my provision. God, you're going to see, God causes things to cease and he provokes a situation where the people will live from the bountiness of his provision over the years from them. And it is a supernatural act. So we see the Sabbath um, the Sabbath, um, um, S- uh, Sabbath of years. Now look at uh, the Sabbath of seven years and the Jubilee. Just look at it also in Leviticus chapter 25, the verse 8 through 17. Look at what it says. It says, And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself. Seven times seven years. That is 49. And the time of the seventh Sabbath. Then the time of the seventh Sabbath of years shall be to you. 49 years then you shall cause the trumpet of jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the 7th month on the day of atonement you shall make the trumpet sound throughout all the land all your land and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty through throughout all the land of all the land to all its inhabitants, and it shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. Very powerful. We're seeing God, God saying that the Sabbath shall be forty-nine years, and the fiftieth year shall be a year of release. When we begin to step into divine rest, the law of divine rest, we step into the year of divine release. Where there is a divine return, where there is a restoration, it says that it says that it shall be jubilee for you. It shall be liberty for you. Jubilee means liberty. It shall be liberty for you. When we talk about the divine law of rest, it shall be liberty for you. I'm, I'm going to read it again. Let me read it again. Leviticus twenty-five, the verse eight through seventeen, and I'm dealing with the issue of. Um, the Sabbath principle, the Kingdom law of the Sabbath principle, which is the law of divine rest. So, not theological arguments here. Whether a Sabbath is a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday or a Saturday, whether it is it is um, 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 observe whatever time and all. That is not the argument. The argument here is stepping into the capacity and the provision, the offered provision of the grace of god that is illustrated in the principles of the Sabbath, and 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 i'm talking about the sabbath of seven years just speaking principles then and the jubilee it says in the verse 8 of the verse 25 and you shall count seven sabbath of years for yourself seven times seven years and the time of the seven sabbath of years shall be to you 49 years then you shall cause the trumpet to, trumpet of jubilee, liberty, to sound in, on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. In the verse 10, it says, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his possession and each of you shall return to his family. So we can see that when we enter into the place of divine rest, divine rest, it is that we come into connection, we come into community, we come into shared life, we come into family. We come into family. And when we enter into the place of the, the law of divine rest, we also step into restoration. Each of you shall return to his possession. And God takes it very, very, very serious. In the book of Jeremiah 34, the verse 18 down, we saw God got so provoked, and the said, and I shall make the life of the man that that covenanted and walk between the two pieces thereof, um, to be in danger like the animal that they walk between, the two pieces they walk between. And why was this happening? God was saying that you promise, you vow to observe the Jubilee that after the 49 years and the 50th year, which is now a season of liberty, you shall let your servants go. But when the season had come, these people would not let the servants and the slaves go. And so God, who is a witness to that agreement, got so angry, it is time for divine return, that the Lord is even provoked in his jealousy. Over you and I, for everything that has elapsed the the numbers, has elapsed the season of holding you, and the Lord is provoked and He has proclaimed on the cross, it is finished. It is finished giving us a release, it is finished in letting us go, it is finished. It is is proclaimed that to let us go and enter back into restoration. So one of the things that we see when we enter into the law of divine rest is that we step back into restoration. Let me pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you shall restore somebody, you shall restore a woman, you shall restore a man, you shall restore a child on this call because it is the year of divine return. For each of you shall return to your possession and each of you shall return to your family. And so I pray that the Lord will restore and connect you and give you family. The Bible says he planned the solitary in the family. Now it says that the 50th year you shall be, it shall be a jubilee to you. It shall be to you. Um, in, in it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord, nor gather the grapes of the untended vine. For it is the jubilee, it shall be holy to you, you shall eat its produce from the field. 13. In the year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. The Lord is emphasizing it. There is a divine retainer when we step into this place. And if you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. You can see that the law of kingdom, the, the kingdom the kingdom law or the divine law of rest really brings us into a place of greater liberty and, and cohesiveness and existence and commingling and a shared life where life is no longer oppressive, but life lives in a place of divine release. And I pray that as you, on this broadcast as you're watching this that divine release will come to every aspect of your life your health your finances your children um, um your, your any area that you are struggling in that divine rest will come to you capacity and grace will be released to you by the father of all that you shall have ability to be able to go forward. i'm driving after something and it says in the verse 14 and if, no, the verse 15, according to the number of years after the Jubilee, you shall buy from your neighbor, and according to the number of years um, of crop, he shall sell to you. According to the multitude of years, you shall increase its price, and according to the fewer number of years, you shall diminish its price. For he, for he sells to you according to the number of years of the crop. Very interesting. God, even through divine law of rest, Causes the economic dynamics to shift. My, listen to me. It is not about what you can do, what I can do. It is not about how much is in your pocket, but it is about stepping into the divine law of rest, which begins to to cause you to even buy without nothing. It says, come and buy without money. Come and drink without, without paying. Now, therefore, you shall not oppress one another. You you shall fear your god for i am the lord your god you can see the statement coming out again i am the lord your god so when we see this existence um of divine law of rest under god's government what do we see happening to people let me just and, and note a number of things and then get into um an arrangement an arrangement that god has put in place look at it look at it and I would have you take time to read to read Leviticus twenty six, read through it because it flows from um, twenty five, and you see several principles of divine increase um, uh, happening there. But let's read twenty five, the verse eighteen through twenty two. It says, "Life under God's government. Life under God's government. When we come under the divine law of rest, what begins to happen to us?" It says in the eighteen, "So you shall observe." My statutes and, and keep my judgment and perform them, and you will dwell in the land in safety. You will dwell in the land in safety. If we really want to eat the good and the fruit of the land, we need to begin to live from the place of divine rest, not the place of striving all over the world we wake up in the morning and our day starts with morning and then it ends in evening but the divine law of rest doesn't start with morning and i'll explain that shortly i will explain that shortly all over the world our day starts with morning we start running everywhere and so we have been configured in a certain way that continues to bring us into realms of stress realms of sickness realms of diseases because we continue to live in a place of striving and striving and striving and, and insatiable hunger. I want, I want, I want, I want, and we are not having. So the more we want, the more we are not having. But when we begin to live in the place of the divine law of rest, you realize, I says that you will dwell in the land safely. The verse 19 says, then the land will yield its produce. My God. How do we succeed in life? It's, it is out of not striving. It says, look at the birds of the air; They neither sow nor reap, but they gather into bands. And it says that what is the role of these birds? They are just supposed to fly. What is the role of the lilies? They are supposed to be in the field and continue to grow. And so the heavenly father clothes them. When we enter into our original place, and I'm going after that, Our original place of existence and context from which life began, what happens to man is that we begin to flourish. Because of the nature of the arrangement of life today, many of us are living under arrested development, oppressed, stunted growth, inability to progress. The more we do out of our strength, the more we have nothing being produced the more we continue to churn out ourselves the more we have nothing to lay hold of it says then the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your field and dwell there safely do we want our land do we want our lands our business our lives our purpose uh, the intent of god for our lives to yield its fruit bring it back to the place of divine rest Bring it back into the principles and the laws of God. And that thing will begin to give off its natural capacity. It will begin to naturally yield its capacity without any tweaking, without any fertilizer. It says the land shall rest. Divine law of rest. Verse 20, it says, and if you say, now look at it, look at it, very, very instructive. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year? Because God is saying for, for, for six years you work and the seventh year do no work. Do absolutely no work. Six days work, seven, the seventh day rest. Come into my rest. Come into fellowship with me. Come into community. Join your neighbor. Return to your possession. Return to the place of flourishing. Many of us, I mean, one of the points of control in our lives today is our mobile phones. We get home and we have no time for our children. We get home and we have no time for any other thing. We will be on the phone till 12 a.m. And we will, we, we will continue the next day. The very first thing that greets us is the phone. Um, and there are many other things that continue to chiefly occupy us. And those are idols. God says that in the time of divine rest, It is that we leave off those things. We abandon our ability to get involved with those things. I'm not saying throw your phone away, but there needs to be a sacred moment where you can just shut down and you can relate to family and and flourish and grow and, and, and expand. So it says, and if you shall say in this season of rest, if you shall say, what shall we eat in the seventh year? since we shall not sow nor gather in on our produce. You remember God said that the produce shall be for the strangers, the servants and animals and also you're not going to the field to sow. You're not going to the field to plow. You're not going to the field to strive. He says, if you shall enter into that place of divine law of rest, he said, this is what I would do. What shall we eat? What shall we a drink of what shall we and the verse twenty two says then I the Lord I the Lord will command the power of commanded blessings flows out of the place of divine rest the power of commanded blessings flows out of the place of divine rest I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year in the sixth year And now, you see, you can look at this and you can begin to ask, what if in the sixth year it doesn't happen? What if in the sixth day it doesn't happen? What if if in 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 the Sabbath of years, the sixth year, it doesn't happen? Do you know it is a matter of coming under trust and believing God and laying hold of Him? The kingdom is by faith. It's not by sight. The kingdom is by faith. It's not by natural sight. So, how would I wait up until the sixth year? I may want to try to manipulate the process. I may want to hold things. I may want to position things in a manner. But God says, you trust me. It doesn't mean you throw wisdom away. You don't do investments. You do. But it says that you trust me. Because when you would have done those investments, you would have, you would have put your life into those use. It says, then I will command my blessings on you in the sixth year. And it will bring forth produce enough for three years. Wow. Blessings in the sixth year that produces that produces enough for three solid years. 22. And you shall sow in the eighth year and its old produce till the ninth year until its produce come in. You shall eat of the old harvest. It's called divine provision flowing out of the power of commanded blessings. We saw that in the life of Elijah, when Elijah went into the woman, the widow of Zarephath's life, and the meal that was left in the little water, all of that continued to multiply. They continued to sustain them until, until. Friends, it's important that we step into the capacity of the law of divine rest. Think about this. Meditate on it. Now, I'm going to deal with um, a couple of other things in the next five minutes and I wrap up. So, when we look at the, the servant principle, we see divine precedence. It, God is not issuing this and saying these things just because he feels like saying them. Him, God himself, lives in this thing and when man was created one of the very first existence of god he observed was the capacity of resting that that life started from the the position of divine rest not the position of doing and striving not the position of i can i can but it is from the position of the grace of god and divine abilities released in me to do the very things that I do. Paul said in the in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, he says that the life that I live is no longer I. It is that the Spirit of God, the Lord, Christ Himself, lives through me. Lives through me. Lives through me. He says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is not what I can do. In first First Corinthians, 2nd Corinthians chapter 4, the verse 7. It says that it says that there, there is this treasure in earthly vessels. It says that, that the excellency of the glory of God, the, the, the excellency of power will be of God and not of us. And not of us. So God pours grace and he pours abilities into man that He will be honored and glorified. So let's look at the divine precedence and the pattern in the Word of God. And then we can we can we can step into that in strategy we can step into that in the way we think we can step into that in the way we build life we can step into that the way we arrange things around us so that we can we can reduce a lot of things in our life sickness diseases troubles striving 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 everywhere so that we can live in the place of discernment of the will of god and moving in tandem with the divine timing of god Look at it in Exodus. The pattern is this. In Exodus 20, the verse 8 through 11, remember the Sabbath day. Remember we're talking about the divine law of rest. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We we need this principle to live in our hearts every day as we go about our boisterous activities. We need this principle of divine rest To continue to live in our consciousness every day every week every month every year this divine law continues to live in us and influence the things that we do remember the sabbath day to keep it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work six days you shall labor and do all your work but in the seventh day is the sabbath of the lord your god in it you shall do no work you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gate. Who is within your gate? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it my god now what are we seeing is introducing us to genesis chapter 2 chapter 2 and in genesis chapter 2 the verse 1 through 3 it says thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished and on the seventh day god ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the all his work which he has done then the lord blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because it it is in it he rested from all his work which he god created and made now what we see here is that god himself has placed a blessing on the law of the virus god himself has placed a blessing what is blessing When we look at the definition of blessing right from Genesis, Adam had everything created around him, but the Bible says, and God blessed him. So he realized that blessing is not about a car to start with. Blessing is not about that and that and that, but it's a law and a principle and, 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 and grace that empowers man to succeed and to become successful in this life. So God himself entered and started off the Creation, the systems that he had created, the very foundation of human existence began from the place of rest. And I want to show you in scripture. I want to show you in scripture. When he started creating, he built into the pattern. Genesis chapter one, the verse five. I'm going to read a number of verses. The verse five. God called the the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. What did he say? The evening and the morning were the first day. Not morning and evening were the first Let me read it again. I want that principle to sink into your heart and sink into your spirit and that you can begin to live powerfully from the place of rest rather than from the place of striving. God himself, when he created, he called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. The verse 8, and God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. So, the verse 13, so the evening and morning were the third day. The verse 19, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. The verse 23, so the evening and morning was the fifth day. Then verse 31, then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was good, so the evening and morning were the sixth day. You can see the whole pattern that in the realm of God's creation and existence, life began with evening and morning counting the first day, not morning and evening counting the the first day the second and the third day so we have literally changed the pattern and therefore you can think you can think and question why the sicknesses, why the high blood pressure why the confusion why our bodies are broken why we are constantly under stress because the day and the morning is the first day. doing doing striving striving I I I when we are supposed to leave from the place of divine rest, a place of divine rest, when we are supposed to enter into divine rest, so violating the evening and the morning, first day, second day, sixth day, and entering into the very rest of God, the seventh day results in a number of things. Look at the Numbers chapter fifteen, the verse thirty-two to thirty-six. Now, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, look at where they are. They were in the wilderness, a place of dryness and harsh life. They found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, so all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. Now what are we seeing here? We are seeing a very powerful, powerful, powerful principle. Where we fail to enter into the law of divine rest, the Sabbath principle, not a theological argument, the Sabbath being Monday or Tuesday or Saturday and all of that, what time it should start and what time it ends. All of those are throw them out for now. And let's enter into the spirit of the Sabbath, the reality of it. The one that governs the Sabbath is Christ. And when we continue to violate the principle of rest, Our bodies are broken. Life is a struggle. It's such a drag and a drop. Life continues to be a heavy milestone on our back. I challenge you to begin to enter into divine quietness. I challenge you to enter into the place of rest. Now, there's a scripture in the book of Job, chapter 20. It says, because he does not... No quietness. Speaking of the Leviathan, but look at the principle, very powerful. Because he does not know quietness, he is unable to retain. Our inability to retain is as a result of lack of quietness. Is as a result of not knowing quietness our inability to retain health is as a result of not stepping into divine rest because we keep entering to this place of worry and worry and worry about everything worried about what we eat we just saw in scripture it says that when you shall say what shall we eat the lord himself said on the sixth day I will command blessing on you in the sixth year. I will command blessing on you and it will bring forth produce enough for three years. Supernatural supply. We enter into the place of what to eat, what to, what to, what, what, why, what, 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 what. Then we enter into the place of restlessness. It says look at the best of the end. They neither sow nor reap, but they gather into bands. It says, which of you by thinking, worrying, can add a cubit, a measure to your height? It says that this is what the Gentiles strive after. We are not Gentiles. We are people of the kingdom. And when we step into the place of divine law of rest, Life begins to proceed in a new way. Life begins to go out powerfully in a new way. It says that your produce in the sixth year that I'm going to bless, that you enter into the seventh year of rest, will be able to be sustained for three years, that you have the old harvest. You shall not touch the new. You have enough to spend and to spend and not touch the new and not struggle and and, and not try to hoard sparingly. The Lord shall release abundance and bounty upon our health. The evening and the morning was the first day. The evening and morning was the second day. The evening and morning was the third day, and so it went down to the sixth day. And so when we violate the law of rest, we begin to suffer in our bodies. We begin to, certain hormones and chemicals begin to agitate themselves in us because they have have been violated. It is good to have physical rest. It is good to 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 protect your being and eat well and 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 have rest and it is good to allow the law of divine rest to live deeply in your consciousness and that everything you do everything you engage in flows out of the place of rest so our world has standing. morning and evening is the first day but god says the evening and the morning is the first day evening and morning is it's up to the sixth day but our is Morning and evening, and so the striving continued. It says that they found this man who was striving, striving, and gathering sticks on the Sabbath day, the day of rest. So just imagine they found this man who, instead of resting in the Lord, instead of trusting God fully for the process, instead of trusting the process. Instead of removing the barriers of worries away and casting all of those things away, the burden away, he continued to live in a place of striving and striving and striving and striving until they brought him before Moses and put him under God. And then the Lord says, Let him be stoned. Let him be stoned. Let him be stoned. Today we have children of what age? Diabetes. Because we have turned our day into morning and evening. We produce all kinds of foods with all kinds of chemicals and we continue to impact human life when we are supposed to enter into the place of rest and discover the loss of god and what can be produced that can impact human life and even elongate human life we continue to destroy vegetation in my country for example farmlands have become all kinds of concrete concrete platforms all farmlands are getting lost we need to return back to the place of divine rest rather than what I have, I have, I want to have and all. I want to end this by saying the law of the Sabbath, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of the Sabbath is King, his Lord. He says that you shall observe all these things because I, I am the Lord, your God, and I'm bringing you into all of this environment. Because you must know that I am the Lord your God. Now, what we see here is that when Adam was created, the next moment, the very thing that he saw God doing, because man was the last person, last thing in creation to be done. And when God saw that, he says everything was perfect and was perfect. And so he entered into rest. When Adam, imagine Adam waking up in the morning of the seventh day. What did he see God doing? God was all restful. God was all restful and teaching man that the evening and the morning should be the first day. That life is lived from the place of rest and not striving, not worry, not, not not pressure. This is the reason why we have some of the diseases plaguing people. This is the reason why we have blood pressure shooting beyond the roof. This is the reason why we have all kinds of things happening to man's body. Because we have entered into the morning and evening. But Adam's first observation was to see God in a state of rest. If that was the beginning of life, then it's important that Um, we enter into the principle of rest and live powerfully from there even as we are working. Live powerfully from there even as we are taking care of our children. Live powerfully from there even as we are doing ministry. Everything we do must emanate out of the evening and morning. Adam's first observation is to see God the Father bless the seventh day and he rested himself from all the works of his hand. And it was in the cool of the day and he engaged Adam. Come on, it's time to return to divine fellowship. The power of kingdom law of rest has so much blessing. So Christ is the divine um, Lord. He is the Lord of the Sabbath, and he has fulfilled it. So in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, I read this for you. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I challenge you. I challenge you. Your business may be upon them, upon the boisterous seas and turbulent waters. It says, "Come to me, I God, I Christ, will give you rest." It says, "If you are, if you have, you will labor, you will striving and heavy laden. You have things piled upon you, worry, sickness, disease, torment piled upon you. I will give you rest." the verse 20 says take now when you come to me you must begin to learn my laws you must begin to learn my ways you must begin to learn my principle this i i i'm going to i need to wrap up but i'm going to touch on a very powerful thing it says take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in your heart and you will find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy and my burden is lighter. I want to touch two things here. The principle of the yoke. Now we see in Isaiah chapter 10, the verse 27, it says that, And it shall come to pass that the burden will be taken off your shoulders and the yoke destroyed because of the anointing, because of fatness, because of increase of grace and anointing. Now, in in those ancient times, and even sometimes some places in Asia, they continue to use it. There's this thing they call human yoke. They create this yoke for carrying water. So there is hanging here, um, something that is holding a bucket and something that is holding a bucket. And there is this yoke that is placed around the neck. And so this human can carry water, two buckets uh, at the same time. Now there's this thing also called the animal yoke the yoke that it places upon an animal now when the yoke is not designed properly what it does is that it 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 sips into um, the skin of the animal it casts the jugular vein and it kills the animal and that is exactly the way the systems of the world have been arranged when the yokes of the world has no measurement it is it is all size fits all it is all size that fits all. So whether it is choking you, whether it is cutting your jugular vein, whether it is cutting your skin, the system of the world, that's not mine. But when you come to Jesus, it says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It says that, come, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am not striving. It says that this yoke of Christ is measured. It is designed to fit you exactly so that it doesn't cut your neck and cause your life to be lost. When we come to him, it says that the yoke shall be broken because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. I want to end here. I want to release anointing of God to break every yoke, every burden, and every system of imprisonment. Let the anointing of God go out right now. Every burden and every yoke be smitten and broken. In the name of Jesus, every yoke of labor and, and heavy loads be overthrown. Yokes of sickness and disease be smitten and destroyed. In the name of Jesus, yokes of cancer. Be crushed in the name of Jesus. Leukemia. Tumor. Tumor. Tumor in the head. In the mind. In the brain. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We command the anointing to be released. Let the anointing of God be released. Touching lives right now leko zikapa stomach ulcer leukemia arthritis we rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth disorder in breath system in the name of Jesus every organ that is malfunctioning let there be the releasing of the anointing to heal and to set free by the power of the Holy Spirit my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We release the easy yoke and the burden of Christ, of of understanding of the kingdom and of His ways. We rebuke every spirit that continue to perpetuate worry and fear and, and causing foolishness in people's blood to rise and, and, and blood levels to rise. And we rebuke blood pressure. We say, come back to normal. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Father, thank you, O God, for the release of the oil, for the release of the anointing. Oh Jesus, thank you. Bless you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, friends. I want to we want to call it done this morning. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The grace of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, and the love of God inundates you in the name of Jesus. Friends, continue to look out every thursday We are we are bear Zoom teaching and developing. Somebody told me said what you guys are sharing on the thursday broadcast it is not bible study that thing is too heavy and weighty and needs to be on radio and tv and all friends i want to challenge you if you've not registered the link has been posted on facebook uh, twitter and instagram hit the link register so you can be part of this conversation we are looking at rediscovering god's ecclesia, not the roman ecclesia. god bless you zorina god bless you for being on the broadcast let me i pray for you that the lord will hold every organ in your body together the bible says that he has sustained everything by the word of his mouth. so we release a word right now for your sustenance for your healing and your wholeness and the going together of every organ that is losing its touch in the name of jesus christ of Nazareth, so I look forward to having friends with you on the Thursday weekly online Bible setup that, that happens 8 p.m. 2000 GMT. Every Thursday. You look out for that. And then every last Saturday of the month, we have Basileal News. Yes. And for those of us who are far off, who are outside, outside Ghana, you can connect via Zoom. But if you are in Ghana, you can join us you can join us at at our new location which we'll be announcing in few days um in Tema community night so god bless you the lord be with you this evening we'll be back to pray and we want to pray these things we want to throw the burden we want to lift the yoke and celebrate the liberty and the freedom of god god bless you i'll see you again and this bye for now thank you